And we are on air for Fanfare Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topics Sound Off at 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Appreciate it. I always love being on here on Thursday nights for our Weekend Preview of NASCAR and other racing around the country. Yes, indeed. And tonight we are going to be previewing the NASCAR Cup Xfinity and Truck Series all racing at the Circuit of the Americas at CODA uh, in Austin, Texas this weekend. Also, the ARCA West is racing at Irwindale Speedway, so we'll be talking about that race as well. We'll start with some short track racing today. Uh, and then we'll get into the race, the Arca West race at Irwindale. Nine o'clock, our guest comes on board, Ryan Vargas with JD Motorsports. Uh, definitely looking forward to chatting with him. When we finish that conversation, we will get into the truck series and then go to the Xfinity and Cup series. And as I mentioned earlier, 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off segment with our Fan for Racing crew. So, uh, Jay, let's go ahead and get started with some short track racing news. I was reading our um, uh, uh, Racing America, I believe, that Alan Kowicki has uh, decided who their program uh, finalists are. Did you see that news? Yeah, I think I got it in an email. I hadn't been on the page, uh, homepage there today, um, but I think I got it in an email here. As uh, you're right, that they announced their uh, finalists. Jackson Boone, uh, Jacob Nottestead. I should mention that Jackson Boone's from Franklin, Tennessee. Jacob Nottestead from Stoughton, Wisconsin. Uh, you've got Hayden Pybar from Spokane, Washington. Kate Reed from Harrison, Maine. And you want to mention the last three, Chad? All right. You got Evan uh, Shoko out of Coopersville, Michigan. And then Riley Stenham out of Utica, Wisconsin. And Dylan Zampa out of Napa, California. And we got the range. Uh, we talked about this, where they came from, what they drive. Looks like an 18, 22-year-old, 18, 18, 18. Trying to see where there's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. Uh, so that little bit of range there, too, as, as these kids uh, develop. Yes, indeed. So uh, these are the finalists uh, that will be helping keep the memory and the legacy of the 92 National Cup Series champion and Hall of Famer Alan Kowicki alive during the seventh edition of the program, which will occur during the 30th anniversary of the NASCAR Hall. Famer's incredible run to the title. So um, these are all listed in alphabetical order. And uh, so it, it's going to be fun to watch these guys throughout the season. And uh, the drive, Alan Kowicki Driver Development Program, uh, some of the uh, people that have gone through that program before include drivers like uh, Ty Majeski. Excuse me. Yeah, that's the most, uh, to me, the most recognizable one that stands out, but we've seen several others. And for me, it's an interesting to see as they pop out, we, uh, pop up um, racing. We mentioned that they're coming from some different parts of the country, but then as they get mm-hmm. that notoriety, 
as we've mentioned from the, the West Series to the East Series with the Arkham Menards, you're going to start seeing them popping up and racing in other events and getting that sponsorship and exposure as they travel. Well, exactly. Another big name on the West Coast, especially in the uh, SRL Series, is Jeremy Doss. Uh, so he he's another recognizable name uh, to the folks out there on the West Coast. Uh, and th- there's people here from uh, Wisconsin, but also Marietta, Georgia, Greenlee, Colorado. Uh, I mentioned California, Wausau, Wisconsin. So uh, there's several several people from all over the country. Wisconsin's uh, certainly represented, but there are people from all over the country that have won this award in the past. Well, and, and you know, that being that that was where the area where Alan Kowicki was from, I, I wouldn't say it was favoritism, but that is where the core group is, is from, Alan Co- starting with Alan Kowicki. But you've seen that as, as they get more exposure, uh, we've got both northeast corners, Maine and Washington. Uh, so nobody is excluded, that's for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, now, um, there's going to be a big race out at All-American Speedway uh, Saturday, March, the Mini Stock Veterans' first trip uh, to All-American Speedway. We're talking about A.J. Sanders chasing a, a win at that Goodyear All-American Speedway. So that's in Jackson. He's from Jackson, North Carolina. And uh, that's going to be kind of a fun race to watch as well. Most certainly, and I know uh, I heard Sal talking about this a little bit the other night as I jumped on at the tail end of it, um, getting to see these uh, races now. And we've talked about all the different coverage you can get uh, in order to get these races if they're not in your area. Yes, Racing America uh, covers a lot of these races. And, uh, you know, that's where fans uh, can go if they want to watch some of these ones that we're talking about now. Uh, but also, float racing uh, is another opportunity. Uh, I guess there was uh, at Port Royal, uh, the rivals unite for a good cause. So uh, they're taking something that, uh, uh, you know, okay, uh, they're taking something that uh, was kind of a big rivalry from the previous race and turning it into a good cause with some donations to some pretty worthwhile uh, charities. Well, and we've seen this. I mean, that's how you capitalize on things like this. We've seen it at the Cup Series, Mm -hmm. uh, Bowman and and Kyle Busch making their T-shirts. So things like this, that's turning a a little bit of a negative. You know, we know there's rivalries and competition. You, You get a little heated. But to see him put that aside and then do something positive coming out of it, I think is really great. And again, it's part of that development and maturity. Uh, I know that at the cup level, it maybe wasn't done as maturely as we would like to have seen, but it did get done. And a lot of money was raised and went to charity. Without a doubt. Uh, there's a lot of racing that's going on over at Sport. If you uh, haven't, uh, uh, check that out yet, you really get a big bang for your buck there because they have nonstop continuous racing, it seems like, uh, with a lot of different uh, races that are taking place. Uh, for the rest of March here, on March 25th, the Modified Invasion 
Stock Car Hoopla at Woodford uh, Glen Speedway. They've got Cannonsburg Snowcross National. And the Sweet 16 is from the 25th to the 27th. Uh, Funny Car Chaos at Texas Motorplex. The Battle of the Bay at Bradenton Motorsports Park. There's a lot going on yet to end up this month, Jay. Yeah, and if you haven't had a chance to check out the, the Modified Mayhem, uh, that's, a, that's one that's at the top of my list of kind of favorites to watch. I know uh, Brandon from Flow Racing, <laughs> when he was on, coming from that area, talked about them. And uh, I certainly would have to agree. That's still kind of one of the top uh, at the top of my list, uh, close to my heart. Okay. So, and, and this is a great chance for you to see where there's some really great racing going on in your area, and if you can't get out to the track, you can at least watch it on Flow Sport Racing. Uh, now, also, the 2022 Arkham Menard Series West, it will be uh, live streamed on uh, Flow Sport at 9 p.m. on March the 26th. So we'll get back to that in just a few minutes here, but uh, that Arkham Menard West race is going to be uh, live streamed there as well. Well, and you're right. That's going to be one to watch as they come into their second uh, race of the season. We're going to start seeing that separation for the championship. So these first couple races are really huge. Uh, as they had the big showdown at Tech, uh, sorry, Phoenix combination event, now they got to kind of try and separate themselves from their competitors and, and really determine who's going to have that championship run. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but there is a slew of racing events. I only touched on a few of them uh, that are taking place uh, from now and through the weekend, Sunday, March the 27th. Uh, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, a lot of great racing there. Okay. Um, any other topics you want to make sure that we touched on, either from Racing America or um, – from uh, Flow, Flow Racing or Mav TV? No, I think we pretty much covered them all. I mean, there, there's a lot of great – if you can't find racing to watch, I mean, you're just not trying. Um, I know uh, last weekend, I think it was, Dave Moody was trying to actually find which channel it was on that he was wanting uh, as he traveled over to a local asphalt track um, while he was in Atlanta. So there is racing out there. You don't have to look very hard. That is true. In fact, if you're a driver, there's an entry form available for the Jags CRA season opener that's going to be at Salem, uh, the second annual Midwest 250 at Salem Speedway. Uh, and uh, let me see, April 24th is when that's going to take place. Uh, but if you're a driver, you want to submit your entry form now. It will be the 12th season of comfort competition for the Crate Late Model Series. Uh, the last 11 Point Series champions includes drivers like Eric Jones, Daniel Hemrick, uh, Cody Coughlin. Uh, that's a familiar name. We've heard his name before. Dan Leak, uh, car owner champion Bill Burba, and driver uh, champion Dalton Armstrong and Jack Dusty III uh, are all former champs from this series. So uh, there's some familiar names on that list. 
Well, and as you were talking about that, uh, just thinking about it, uh, that race coming up in Salem, Indiana, you're talking about there being a lot of racing going on right now. The Midwest and the northern states can't quite start racing yet. So as we get into these spring, April, May, uh, you're going to see even a lot more racing as those tracks up north are able to open up. I know uh, up home where my dad's at, Minnesota, normally I think they try mid-April, depending on weather, uh, whether they get the first scheduled ones in or not. That's true. That's true. Um, So it's it's kind of amazing because uh, it seems like a lot of racing now uh, but it's going to quadruple, or maybe not quadruple, maybe, but it's going to at least double what you see now uh, when it comes to uh, racing in April, May, June, July, August, uh, at the peak of the, the short track racing uh, and the local racing that happens uh, in your neck of the woods, if you will, uh, across this country. So uh, a lot of uh, uh, really good things there. Uh, also, two, uh, two NASCAR stars are going to be competing in July in the uh, Granite State Pro Stock Series field at Lee, USA. Uh, there's a $10,000 purse there, but uh, two of those drivers include Corey LaJoy and Tyler Ruddick. So that's another race to look forward to this summer. Yeah, and we, we've seen this. Those two drivers, uh, good to see them going back and still racing these lower series and, and making appearances like that. We know we ta- talked about Hendrick Motorsports kind of wanting their drivers to do that. Uh, I'm not sure that they want William Byron doing it no more. He went and won another late model race there in uh, the Carolinas um, over the Atlanta weekend. But uh, still giving back to the sport because it does draw attention to the tracks and the facilities, and then the other drivers he is racing with. That's true. Okay, let's go ahead and move over to the ARCA West and the race that's taking place this weekend out there. Um, They are racing at Irwindale Speedway this weekend, and uh, that race is the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by West Coast Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, that will take place Saturday, March the 26th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. local time. There will be a USA delayed broadcast on Friday, April the 1st at 1 p.m. as well. This is another race that, well, I mentioned it earlier, it's going to be available live streaming on Flow Racing. You can listen to radio coverage at arcaracing.com. It is a half-mile paved oval, and they'll be driving a distance of 150 laps. Now, um, Saturday, March the 26th, they will have practice and qualifying from 2 o'clock until 3.30 p.m. local time. And again, the race starts at 7 p.m. That's Pacific time on Flow Racing. That would be 10 p.m. Eastern time. So, uh we have a lot to look forward to with this race in the West. If you remember, Jay, last year, that was the most competitive series we had across uh, the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, most certainly, and I think we might see that again. Maybe not of, of as many drivers, but I think we are between a couple of them. As the Irwindale entry list features a healthy mix of West Series title contenders and newcomers. 
mentioned it's the first standalone event uh, race of the 2022 Arkham Menard Series West season as they take center stage at California's Irwindale Speedway for that Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by a West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. And now it marks the 31st time that Irwindale has hosted the West Series with defending champion Jesse Love winning each of the last three visits to the track from 21 and 20. Uh, he's, he's been pretty strong in the West Series. There are tickets that are still available, uh, and uh, if you're out in that area, you'll want to uh, check it out. Uh, however, Love is not competing in Irwindale this weekend. The window, that means that the window is going to be wide open for a new face to visit Victory Lane. But I will tell you, uh, there is a winning driver at Irwindale Speedway that's on that entry list. And that includes, and they, they've done a feature on him at ArcaRacing.com, and that's Trevor Huddleston. Well, and also headlining the entry list for Saturday's race is the de facto West Series championship leader, uh, Jake Drew. Now, he's driver of the number six Stilo USA offset sport forward for Bob Brincotti as he finished fifth in the Arkham and Series combination race at Phoenix Raceway back on March 11th and was the highest West Series regular in the final running order. And Drew finished fourth and second in these two races at Irwindale last season so he'll look to do one more position better Saturday night. You mentioned Jesse Love's been the dominator, and he's not in this race. Exactly. He's racing the main Arkham Menard Series this year. Uh, now, Bill McAnally Racing is bringing two to Irwindale with Cole Moore and also Austin Herzog, and they're going to give their team owner, Bill McAnally, his first victory of this young season, at least that's their hope. Moore also raced at Irwindale last year with the best finish of fifth, and this will be Herzog's debut at Irwindale in West Series competition. Uh, And then you'll get to talk about Trevor Huddleston. Well, and you mentioned it. The lone Irwindale West Series winner uh, that's expected to be in action Saturday night is Trevor Huddleston. He'll be aboard the number 50 U-Racing LA Chevrolet owned by his father, uh, Irwindale Speedway president, Tim Huddleston. The 25-year-old Trevor earned his victory in 2019 in a photo finish with current NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Tanner Gray. And the margin of victory that day was a .030 seconds. So uh, I'm excited. We, we mentioned Jesse Love not being there. So hearing the stats of these other drivers, it's going to be a competitive race with these top five, top two finishes. It definitely will. Other drivers with Irwindale experience that are on the entry list include Joey East, who scored a third-place finish uh, there last year. P.J. Pedroselli also has a third-place finish at Irwindale uh, on his resume, and both drivers could be in contention to win Saturday night if the cards fall their way. Regular West Series uh, competitors include Bridget Burgess, Todd Souza, and Takuma Koga. Uh, several other drivers making their debut Saturday night include Sunrise Ford uh, racing rookie Tanner Rice. We had him on the show uh, on Monday night, if you want to go back and listen to our interview with him. Stafford Smith, Chris Loudon, Tim Spurgeon, 
Andrew Tuttle and Kyle Keller. So uh, that's uh, quite a few people that we've already mentioned. Is there anybody we missed on the enter list, Jay? Uh, looking down at, and I think I, I want to say I hit uh, counted eighteen drivers overall. Uh, Nick Joandis uh, in the number seventy-seven Toyota. Uh, Bridget Burgess coming out of Brisbane, Australia. I don't think we mentioned yeah, her Nick in the number Gioanini. eight. What's that? Nick Joannidis. Uh, Joe Okay, sorry. Um, in the seventy-seven, and Bridget Burgess in the eighty-eight. I think we hit on all the others. Um, again, that mixture of, of veterans, if you will. Uh, actually, Sebastian Arias from Bogota, Colombia, also going to be back. We've seen him run several races in the number four for Eric Nascimento. Yes. Yes. So Paul Pedrincelli, along with PJ, will be racing. That's a father's son. A couple that uh, have been racing in the series uh, the last couple of years. Uh, Let's see. We've mentioned everybody else. And I I do show it as a total list of 18 18 drivers. Yes, indeed. Uh, Again, the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame uh, in the... uh, uh, Arkham Menard Series West. Let's look at the standings for the West and how it stands after Phoenix. Now, keeping in mind, Just this was a combination event. Combination event. So at the top, we had uh, Taylor Gray picking up the victory, followed by Sammy Smith coming out of the East Series. Daniel Dye at the third place finish. Then Rajah Cruz. And we mentioned Jake Drew. He was the top finishing what will be West Series regular. So right now he's eight points out of the lead, but that's all going to all shuffle up because right behind him, you had Jesse Love, Nick Sanchez, Josh Berry, Derek Krause, and Connor Mozak. So of the top ten, Jake Drew is the only one uh, that's listed as far as running the entire season for the West and going for the championship. Yeah, so you're going to see a big shakeup in the points after – after that Irwindale race, because those are the true uh, Arca West drivers that are going to be competing this year, at least most of them. And uh, uh, we'll get a better feel for how this might shake out in the Arca West. Now, they're they're in 11th spot. Um, If you start there, there's where you see your regulars. Cole Moore, Todd Souza, Joey East, Austin Herzog, um, 11th through 14th. And they are really only eight points behind uh, your current points leader, Jake Drew. Position-wise, they're six, seven, eight spots behind, but it's only a total of eight points based on that. So you're right. We're going to see this shuffle up sort itself out as these regulars that run the entire season uh, pull up towards the top. And uh, they're going to have to chase Jake Drew, but he's not gotten away yet. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is true. That is true. But then you've got the, the spoiler makers, if you will, like Trevor Huddleston. He's not necessarily racing the entire series, uh, but he's there because he's won there before, and uh, he, he's a strong competitor at that track. So uh, he could be a spoiler maker this, you know, this week. 
Most certainly. I think he could, he's listed as a, a spoiler maker anywhere he shows up. I know we saw him win the uh, double header at Phoenix uh, a few years back, picking up both victories there. So uh, he can certainly come in and spoil a party with a fast machine. Yes, indeed. And as I mentioned earlier, they do have a feature on him uh, at arcaracing.com if you want to uh, take a look at that. And I just dropped my... Yeah, I just dropped my uh, <laughs> page. Uh, they have a, a notebook and uh, how to targeting Irwindale's magic. So the three-time Irwindale track champion. So not only has he won there a couple of times or more, uh, he's uh, set for his 50th West Series start. He, he has raced full-time in the West. He's also an SRL driver in the Southwest Touring Series, uh, and uh, he, he's a well-known driver out on the West Coast there, so uh, he's, that's going to be a big event for him. Also, there's some other articles here about uh, Bill McAnally racing Paul Moore, uh, looking for his first West Series win at Irwindale, and uh, uh, let's see, the entry list where you can get the tickets. For Irwindale's Night of Destruction, you were saying that's something that you enjoy watching. Well, Irwindale has their own Night of Destruction. Yeah, I've I've heard Sal talk about that. That's definitely something you want to uh, attend if you're in that area or get the opportunity. I know uh, Sal gets really excited when he talks about that. Yeah, this is the last race in March for the Arkham Menard Series in April, before we even see them race in April. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series main series will be racing April the 23rd, the General Tire 200, at noon central time at Talladega Super Speedway. That one's going to be televised on Fox Sports 1, uh, so keep that one in mind. And then the Arca East. Uh, we'll be racing on the 29th of April, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Dover Motor Speedway. And that one will be live-streamed on Flow Racing. For the Sioux Chief Showdown, their next race won't happen until June the 11th out at Iowa Speedway for the Iowa 150. That will be available on Mav TV. So, <coughs> excuse me. That uh, is a lot of racing taking place there in the Arkham and Art Series. But after this weekend, we're going to wait a few weeks to see them back on track. I know with the, uh, you know, we, we've seen this with the Truck Series. They're a little more gapped every year. We go through this with especially the Arkham and Arts West Series. But I think that just builds that anticipation, especially as we've seen some of the great racing um, that comes out of that series just the build to that anticipation as we wait for their next race and see who really uh, takes over in the points and becomes the driver to beat. That's right. Okay, now coming up here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time is our upcoming guest, Ryan Vargas. Uh, definitely looking forward to talking to Ryan. We've had him on the show before, Jay, and, uh, we, but it's been a little while since Ryan's been on our show. Uh, he was on quite a bit when he was racing the Canada Pro Series West and East and uh, the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, and, but we haven't really had him on since he's gone to JD Motorsports. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to catching up with him. 
uh, and, and uh, talking to him about his experience in the Xfinity Series. Last week at Atlanta Motor Speedway, he had a top 10 finish and did very, very well on a very tough track. So uh, he was still uh, standing when everybody else uh, was down. And uh, that is a huge accomplishment for JD Motorsports and for Ryan Vargas. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking to him about that. Yeah, you're right. And I'm sure you'll ask him about that, of getting somebody directly off the track here at this new Atlanta Motor Speedway. I know we talked about it in Hot Topics. Um, as far as fan perspective, to get it directly from a driver uh, is going to be exciting to hear. I'm sure he's excited the fact that it was a top 10 finish, but uh, that doesn't always mean they like the track. You know, that you know, good finish they'll take, but that doesn't always mean they necessarily like the track. So we'll have to see uh, what yeah. he thinks of it and, and how it's going to develop down the road. Yeah, I think it was a tough track for a lot of people because of the unknowns here. But uh, Ryan is here. And uh, he did survive Atlanta Motor Speedway for a top 10 finish. And, Ryan, you've got to be feeling pretty good about that. And let me just say to you, congratulations and welcome back. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. It was a a heck of a race down in Atlanta in our KSTT CPA Chevy. Um, Crazy what that racetrack was and how how everybody raced. But, uh, we came out clean, and I think that was the most important thing of the day. It definitely was the most important thing. You survived when others were not able to do that. Uh, and tell us uh, about your strategy with that. Was was that the strategy going in, uh, to keep it clean and, and uh, be there at the end? Absolutely. Um, we knew we had a good race car. Uh, we knew we had a fast race car. So, for us, you know, when I talked with Johnny a, lot, a little bit about what we needed to do, you know, the, the general consensus was if we were there on the white flag, most likely it'd be uh, in contention for a good finish. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, we were in one piece with not, not, not a scratch really on the car and wound up 12. So uh, I'll take that any day. Any day. Uh, now, talk, talk about uh, how you did with uh, the track. How difficult was it racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway with all of the unknowns, uh, with the banking that wasn't there when you raced there before? Uh, how difficult was that to maneuver? Definitely, like, a little bit of a question mark. I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was just kind of like, okay, is this going to be a super speedway or is it going to race like a really gripped up intermediate? And we found out very quickly, especially in practice, when my uh, our competition director told us, hey, we need to get into a pack. Uh, that kind of told me very very quickly, okay, this is going to be more of a super speed race. Okay. And and do you enjoy the super speedway races, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. JD Motorsports, we bring really good uh, race cars to these races. Um, I, I mean, it showed at Daytona. Daytona, we went out there and qualified third in the first round, and then eighth kind of rounded out. And I was with, uh, uh, you know, just with all, with just my guys. Like it's me, my crew chief Case, car chief Alex Bird, and tire <coughs> tire guy Gate uh, Gabe. I mean, we we built that car from the ground up, and uh, it's cool to see what this small group of people can really uh, do when we go out there. 
Without a doubt. Okay, now we have uh, Jay Huseman with us on board, and I know he's uh, looking forward to chatting with you as well. So I'm going to pass the time over to you, Jay. All right, thank you, Sharon. Uh, yeah, Ryan mentioned uh, it's been a while, and I was going through uh, the archives, if you will. It was in Iowa Speedway in 2019. I got to do an interview with you for an article. And that's kind of what triggered it, because uh, that was your series debut with the number 15, at that time, the number 15 JD Motorsports. And I want to talk about where they as a team have come since then. Uh, I see them as one of the next teams to really gel together and become a powerhouse team. Uh, and I wanted your perspective from the inside on that. Absolutely. Uh, JD Motorsports, I mean, with some of the changes we've made, especially this offseason, uh, have been for the better. Uh, I think it's shown in our speed. While I haven't had the best of luck this year, we've had a lot of things out of our own control really take us out of contention at the end of these races, but we've showed up and ran well inside the top 20, uh, which, you know, for us, the JD Motorsports running inside the top 20 is a good day. So for us to do that almost on a consistent basis, especially with how stacked the field is this year, um, that's a really uh, fulfilling uh, thing to have, especially when you get to see how much work goes into these things. So um, Johnny Davis and everybody there, they're, um, they're putting their heads together and they're making a, a really good product. Well, and one of the things that kind of tells a fan or a, a media member of the building of that is the sponsorship. And I want to start with, though, you've had one with you uh, as long as I can remember. I know you talked about it as a personal sponsor with the Cranio Care Bear uh, sponsorship. Uh, talk about that first off a little bit. Yeah, I work with uh, Cranial Care Bears as well as uh, FACES, the National Cranial Facial Association. Uh, I work with those two because myself, I was born with a craniosynostosis, which uh, essentially caused the, uh, my soft spot to close as a baby and uh, make the uh, right side of my head uh, essentially flat, misshapen. Um, I was fortunate enough to where mine wasn't too serious. It was serious enough to where I had to have surgery, but um, through these organizations, I've been able to meet many people who have been uh, affected in much worse ways than uh, than I have, uh, where they've had to go to multiple surgeries or their, you know, long-term effects are much worse than mine. Uh, so to be one of the few, <coughs> excuse me, I'm recovering from a cold. <coughs> um, to be one of the only, you know, people out there at this level racing and being in professional sports, I guess you could say, uh, with cranial synostosis, I want to try and use my platform and, uh, welcome those families and those kids who have had it, uh, you know, and, and show them that they can do, they can do it. They can continue living a normal life and, and chase what they want to chase after. Well, like I said, that's one of the things that, that I think is most noticeable then about a team is as they're picking up new sponsorships. Uh, you mentioned they're just uh, getting over the cold real quick. I hope that's not the same one I got uh, as I was northeast of Atlanta over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I've been under the weather as well. Hopefully it's not the same because I don't, I don't feel well at all. So I hope you feel better than that. But you've also brought in several new sponsors, and I see you doing a lot on social media. You know, again, as a media member and an outsider, that tells me as teams are picking up sponsors, there's interest in them. They know and see what's going on. Talk about some of the new sponsors you've been uh, pulling in and what you're doing on it with them on social media. Yeah, I'm no worries. Uh, we've worked with several amazing partners. Uh, 2020, notably, we were sponsored by TikTok for a good handful of races. 
uh, yeah, that TikTok, the social media giant. <laughs> um, that was an incredible opportunity, and that really set the set the bar for what we could really do. Uh, from there, we've worked with some amazing partners such as Swan Security, uh, Monarch Roofing, uh, Mate Next, uh, even then, uh, and, and then several others throughout the um, throughout the season last year into this season. Um, KCT, they're a partner of the team. Uh, super excited to work with them again, and uh, just. It's just a lot of fun to see some of the names. Even uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, we worked with him. He sponsored us for a race. So uh, just a lot of – it feels really good to kind of be the person that is bringing these names into the sport and uh, getting people excited about it. Um, when you're doing all this stuff, you know, essentially by yourself, um, you know, it's it's definitely hard. Um, but it's, it's part of it. I have a great group of people at JD Motorsports, and uh, – we have another, uh, the vice president of uh, marketing over at JU Motorsports, Tony. He does a great job finding us partners. He helps a, a lot with Matenex and currently manages the KSDT deal. So um, just a lot of uh, a lot of good things uh, moving forward. Yeah, I would have to agree. And before I turn it back over to uh, Sharon there, I just want to reiterate that, you know, for, like I said, as a fan and as a media member, to see that growth in the direction – your, your entire team is going, specifically you coming off that top 10 finish. Um, I see big things coming from J.D. Motorsports as well as you, Ryan Vargas. So keep that up, and hopefully we get to uh, talk to you a little bit more down the road later in the year. Absolutely. Hopefully we get some more uh, good runs here. Uh, like I said, I mean, we've had the speed all season long. Uh, just finally it all came together in Atlanta. The trend for uh, the rest of the year, knock on wood. Ryan, I, I wanted to also, uh, you know, you you are a go-getter when you co- get on social media. You do so many different things with your followers. Uh, and, and, but you also, as uh, Jay pointed out, you're a go-getter when it comes to getting sponsorship. And you introduced TikTok to uh, uh, your following and uh, you mentioned, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but you mentioned him earlier. He's an athlete that you also recruited to be yeah, your. No, okay, yeah. What, I, what I'm going to get at here is that you've been through the NASCAR Next program and, uh, uh, you know, kind of coming up through the ranks in the uh, Canon Pro Series now the Arkham Menard series. What are the things that you learned from those experiences that are helping you now here in the Xfinity series? Absolutely. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I thought, uh, I thought you were done talking, but uh, no, it's, That's it's, okay. been a, it, it's been a uh, consistent progression, uh, just learning every time I'm in these cars. I mean, I'm now over, I think, 40 starts now at this point in my career in the Xfinity series, which is, insane to me I, I never thought i'd make one start so um the fact i'm at over 40 is pretty crazy but you know even at 40 starts i'm still the new guy i still have so much to learn i mean all these guys are out here you know they've been in the series for you know four or five ten years and here i am just kind of moseying in trying to learn as much as i can and try and uplift the you know our team our organization and uh be there at the end of these races so um having raced, you know, at the ARCA level and kind of moving forward, um, you learn the dynamics of each car. You learn how, you know, 
what real raw speed is. And uh, it's been a great uh, opportunity so far, and I'm excited to kind of keep, uh, keep pursuing it. Well, you know somebody else who raced at um, uh, JD Motorsports for a number of years is Ross Chastain, and look at what he's doing now. Is that motivation yeah. for you? That is motivation. I mean, Ross is a is a great example of what you know can happen when you you know kind of spend your time learning as much as you can and continue growing. Um, I'm excited to kind of see what this JD Motorsports organization has and what we can continue building upon this year. We have I have a really good I have really great synergy with my team. Uh, we all get along great. Uh, we all enjoy working together. Um, Heck, half the time we spend spend the day, you know, messing with each other and telling jokes. So, um, you know, that's just how it is. But, you know, mm-hmm. see what Ross did and kind of see how all those guys, how he's been able to grow. Um, that's been, that's definitely something that I've had on the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, I, I have good contact, good relationship with Ross as well. Um, he's been a good guy to lean on. So uh, just learning as much as I can. Okay, that's awesome. I noticed, too, that you're involved as a content creator for the uh, Charlotte Phoenix iRacing Group. Tell us about that. Yeah, I uh, I just recently signed with Charlotte Phoenix this year uh, on their eSports side. Uh, just been trying to really d- dive further into the eSports content, whether it be streaming iRacing or streaming other racing games. Uh, I just want to be involved. I want to keep uh, my presence in online and you know, on social media. So if there's an opportunity for me to kind of make some headway and align myself with an established organization such as Charlotte Phoenix, then uh, when the opportunity arose, it was hard to really say no. Yes, indeed. You know, one of our uh, fan racing crew is uh, James Bickford, and uh, we were talking to him about Charlotte Phoenix a few weeks ago as well. Yeah, James has been a big uh, advocate, me getting there. So, uh, James has been a good buddy of mine. Uh, it's been fun working with him on that side of things, and he's just a good dude. <laughs> he definitely is. So, uh, anyway, we've really enjoyed uh, kind of catching up with you and getting to know, getting to talk to you about uh, what you've done and, and where you're going with JD Motorsports. Uh, I, I really have high hopes for you, uh, Ryan, and I know uh, – you're a very hard worker, and I admire that in you. Uh, before you go, let's make sure everybody knows how they can follow you across social media, because I know you are huge on social media, TikTok and yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Ryan Vargas underscore 23, um, Instagram at RTRV23. I've been trying to change that username forever, cannot seem to do so. Um <laughs> make sure to follow along with uh, JD Motorsports on social media as well as any of my partners that I post um, the more people that support them the directly helps me continue racing so um, Swan Security uh, Monarch Roofing and all the other partners that we work with KSDT uh, keep, a, keep a close eye on all that well once again I just want to say uh, we, we hope you do come back and visit with us again Ryan and uh, uh, we're, we're watching your career as it progresses here and I'm always rooting for you and I was so happy for you at Atlanta uh, to get that finish uh, at the end of the day. Thank you. No, it's been fun and uh, it's great to be back on the show. I appreciate you guys having me.
Okay. Well, we'll we'll stay in touch and uh, look for another opportunity. And uh, are you racing at Coda this weekend? Because I know you didn't race last year. Yep, racing Coda this this weekend. Uh, been really leaning on a lot of buddies for advice. So uh, hoping for the best this weekend, and hopefully we can have another great great finish. Okay. Well, we'll we'll be watching and. Uh, we wish you the best uh, at Coda this weekend. It's going to be a big one. Absolutely. <laughs> and you have good weather this year. Yeah, it'll be nice there. It'll be a little toasty, but uh, I'd rather say toasty over soggy. Uh, but it'll be keep an eye out on my social media channels. Tomorrow we are announcing our sponsor for this weekend. Uh, very excited about this one. Uh, they're a key local brand in uh the Austin area, well, really, they're all over Texas, but they have a, a long-standing history in the, in, the, in the area. So very excited about this partnership. Well, we'll definitely watch for that news, Ryan, and thank you for sharing that with us uh, and giving us the alert. So uh, you take care of your colds, and uh, thank you for being here in spite of that. No, thank you, guys. I'm munching on a cough drop right now, so hopefully I can – be good for this weekend. Okay. Take care. We enjoyed talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All righty. Okay. That was uh, Ryan Vargas with JD Motorsports. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, JD Motorsports has been around in NASCAR forever. And uh, they've Produced some really great drivers in this uh, sport, including uh, Ross Chastain, who's one of the top drivers up in NASCAR right now, uh, and and one of the drivers uh, to watch. And it sounds like Ryan's uh, uh, taking advantage of that opportunity to know Ross and and uh, for the support that he can offer. Uh, nice interview with uh, Ryan Vargas. Yeah, had we had more time, that is one of the questions I would kind of like to have asked. You know, Chastain did move on as he got another opportunity. And J.D. Motorsports has always been about that. If you have an opportunity to move to a better situation, he encourages it. But that knowledge and what they brought to the team stays with the team. So um, to see that paying off now, Ryan Vargas being the beneficiary of it, as well as uh, the other teammates right now, and Ross still court, uh, communicating with them. You know, it's not that they just walk away, uh, that he's still talking with that team because he knows where he came from. Yes, indeed. And that's the kind of guy Ross is. Um, and, and Ryan Vargas is a very down-to-earth person as well. So uh, if you're not already following him, I would encourage everybody to follow Ryan Vargas. Uh, on whatever social media platform you happen to be a part of. I know I, I see him a lot on Twitter as well as Facebook, uh, but he's he's everywhere, Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> all of those places, like you said. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started, uh, Jay, with our preview of the Circuit of the Americas uh, this weekend. Uh, they are going to be racing um, down in Austin, Texas, and I'm so envious because I would love to be there, uh, but unfortunately I wasn't able to make it this year. Uh, the Camping World Truck Series will be racing the Excel 225 at Circuit of the Americas on Saturday, March the 26th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The first 
$725,505. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 12 p.m. Eastern and with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 143.22 miles over 42 laps. The first stage is 12 laps. The second stage, 26, uh, ends on lap 26, so it's actually 14 laps. And the final stage will end on lap 42. Last year's winner was Todd Gilliland. So uh, he's racing. I don't. A lot, I know a lot of these guys are racing uh across multiple series this weekend just to get just to get as much seat time as they possibly can. So uh I haven't checked yet to see if Todd's on that list. On that entry list. Well you're right. I know we do have a couple that are doing that and I think we're uh, one or two of them was on hot topics we'll get to later. But this is gonna be a whole different ball game uh race if you will with the lack of weather we mentioned with that interview with Ryan Vargas. And we got some close yes. competition for that Sunoco Rookie of the Year contenders as we're going into the fourth race of the season for the Camping World Truck Series. The rookie, rookie standings have tightened up with Corey Hines' win last week in Atlanta Motor Speedway as he has jumped to the lead by 12 points over second place Jack Wood. Now, Hines will not be competing this weekend at Coda. Uh, it will be Thompson and Perkins' series debut at the track this weekend. And Jack Wood was 28th place finish and Lawless Allen 23rd in last season race. So coming out of Atlanta, I mentioned Corey Heim at 52 points, Jack Wood at 40, Dean Thompson and Lawless Allen both at 34, and Blaine Perkins at 16. We'll see how that shuffles up on the road course at Coda. Yes, indeed. Right now it's Chandler Smith, though, leading the way in his fourth season in the truck series uh, uh, NASCAR Truck Series. Now, Kyle Busch Motorsports' uh, Chandler Smith is at the top of the series point standing uh, with his first place finish at Las Vegas and with a close battle with his rookie teammate, Corey Heim, at Atlanta just last weekend. Uh, in that race, Smith finished in fourth. The first time in his career, he's led the points for more than one race. So now the Georgia native is heading to the Circuit of the Americas looking for another good run to help him hold on to that truck series points lead. But uh, I'll tell you what, he's going to have his work cut out for him this weekend at Coda as he finished 33rd last year in that race. Right now he holds a 13-point lead over second-place Tanner Gray and 17 points up on third-place Ty Majeski. But this could be a game-changer at Circuit of the America. Um, as he's still kind of getting his footing on the road courses. But uh, you never know. <laughs> uh, with good weather, a lot of things can happen. Well, and we're going to take a look at what consider some of the Truck Series road course ringers. Uh, last season, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series drivers put their skills to the test at three road courses, producing three different winners. Daytona road course was Ben Rhodes. You mentioned Todd Gillen here at the Circuit of Americas and then Austin Hill at Watkins Glen International. Now, this season, the Camping World Truck Series will be tasked with competing on the three road courses, but Coda is the only one returning from last season. Sonoma Raceway, which hasn't uh, hosted a truck series since 1998, 
and the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course uh, will be hosting this series for the first time, as those are the other two road courses on the schedule for 2022. Now, with Gill and now competing in the NASCAR Camping uh, or NASCAR Cup Series, and Hill in his rookie season in the NASCAR Xfinity season, Rhodes is the only active truck road course winner set to compete this weekend for the Austin in Austin for the Expel 225. Sports racing driver and 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Ben Rhodes still looking for his first win of the 2022 season. Last year at this time, he had already won twice, taking the first two races of the season in Daytona. Now the Kentucky native finds himself fifth in point after posting two top fives this season. Watch for Rhodes to be a contender this weekend as he finished 10th in the season event last year. Some of Rhodes' biggest competition this weekend, that'll come from a Kyle Busch Motorsports stable. KBM drivers have won the last two races, Chandler Smith at Las Vegas and then Corey Heim at Atlanta. John Hunter Nemechek, driver of the number four KBM Toyota, will be one to watch as well. In 2021, he finished third in the Daytona road course, just behind Rhodes and Sheldon Creed. At Coda, he had a 12th place finish, and in the last road course of the season at Watkins Glen, he came in second, losing only to Austin Hill. Joining Nemechek and Smith this weekend will be a team owner and driver and two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Busch. He'll be making his Camping World Truck Series debut at Coda on Saturday, his first on a road course in the series. Although Bush hasn't competed on a road course in the Camping World Truck Series, he does hold the records for win in the series at 61 and has eight road course wins under his belt, four in the Cup Series and four in the Xfinity Series. So one of, there's one of those drivers getting some extra seat time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and I think there are several this week. Trucking in Austin, uh, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series heads to Texas for the fifth race of the season uh, this Saturday. And uh, this race will be the first of a doubleheader Saturday that features the Xfinity Series race at 4.30 uh, the same day. Now, last year, Front Row Motorsports driver Todd Gilliland grabbed that victory, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he was in the number 38 Ford in the inaugural Truck Series race at the Circuit of the Americas. Fast forward to this year, Zane Smith, who had two top 10 finishes on road courses last year, is behind the wheel now of that number 40, 38 Ford, and he hopes to bring a back-to-back wins to Front Road Motorsports team. Now, Smith had a good 21 season, posting one win, three top fives, and 14 top tens. He also kept his momentum going into the 2022 season, opening with that win at Daytona, but didn't quite get the results he was looking for in the following race at Las Vegas. In fact, he was disqualified and bumped to last, but that didn't stop him from rebounding last weekend at Atlanta by posting a fifth-place finish. Now, watch for Smith to be up front this weekend. Uh, His series track debut last season at the 3.41-mile road course, Smith started 15th and then raced his way up to an eighth-place finish. So uh, we may see some good things from Zane Smith this weekend out at uh, the Circuit of the Americas and the NASCAR Truck Series. 
Uh, most certainly, uh, I think we're going to see some big things through him, from him all year long. I know we haven't gotten very far with the picks yet, but I've got a lot of choices <laughs> uh, for who I want to pick in this series uh, for our fantasy game as well. Yeah, this one, the Dakota tra- truck for the truck series, I don't want to say it's a complete wild card, but as I mentioned last year, kind of tough to go by based off of the weather. So uh, I think this mm-hmm. one's going to be an interesting shuffle up for our fantasy points as well. Yeah, it could be. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. The Pit Box 250 at the Circuit of the Americas will take place Saturday, March the 26th. As we mentioned earlier, it starts at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse in the Xfinity Series is $1,654,894. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 3.30 Eastern Time. And radio coverage is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 156.86 miles, uh, 46 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 14, stage 2 on lap 30, and the final stage on lap 46. Last year's race winner in the rain was Kyle Busch. Can you do the same in the sun? Well, and when we look at the Xfinity Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year, uh, things have remained pretty consistent for this year's group uh, as we head into week six of the season. Austin Hill is still leading the way with 137 points. He's got one win at Daytona, two top fives, and two top tens. Sheldon Creed trails in second with 122 points. Although he has yet to post a win, he does have three top ten finishes on the year. Now, Kyle Sieg takes the third-place spot with 74 points, and that's followed by Jesse Awuji with 24 with that new Emmett Smith racing team. Okay. Now, uh, it was announced this week that Bubba Wallace is rejoining Joe Gibbs Racing for some of the Xfinity Series races this year. Uh He's right now the driver in the Cup Series for the number 23 Toyota or 23-11 racing in the Cup Series. But he'll be competing in the Xfinity Series this weekend at the Circuit of the Americas, and he'll be piloting that number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. He'll also race later this season at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course as well. So definitely keep your eye on that. Wallace had his first stint with JGR in 2012 and 2014 when he made six starts and posted uh, four top ten finishes. Now, Wallace last competed in the Xfinity Series last year for Hattori Racing Enterprises. That was at Michigan International Speedway, and he did post a top ten finish in that car. So uh, he's going to be in that number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing. That's a pretty darn good car. It is indeed. We'll talk about that, I think, maybe in hot topics as we see some of these drivers making starts. But uh, regular driver Noah Gregson, he's clinging to the points lead as they head to the Circuit of Americas. Last weekend's race at Atlanta Motor Speedway was not the kind to the junior motorsports drivers as all four finished outside the top 20 for the first time this season. NASCAR Xfinity Series points leader Noah Gregson 
was in an incident which relegated to a 26th place finish. Now the Las Vegas native heads to the Circuit of Americas in Texas for the Pit Boss 250 on Saturday, March 26th for that first road course of the season. Gregson continues to hold the point standings lead, though, by 19 points over second place Ty Gibbs and third place A.J. Allmendinger. They are tied with 204 points. Gregson's 2022 season has been stellar, not finishing worse than third in the first four races, which included a victory at Phoenix. Gregson is especially eager to get back to Coda this weekend, because in last season's race, he finished last due to an engine failure on lap 13. So he's looking for redemption. Yes, indeed. A couple of other drivers to kind of keep an eye on uh, coming up here. Uh, last year, again, they saw Kyle Bush, Bush come out victorious in that inaugural pit of the Americas. This year, uh, <laughs> I had a memory lapse there for a moment. Bush isn't going to be racing Xfinity anymore, so he's not competing in Austin in the Xfinity Series. So there is going to be a new winner in victory lane on Saturday. This being the first of six road courses in this season, here's a dive into a couple of drivers who've had major success on the road courses. Uh, That includes Ty Gibbs from Joe Gibbs Racing. He's already proved to be a force this season, and it's very possible that he takes his third win of the season at Austin this weekend. Last season, Gibbs won his first ever Xfinity Series race, on the Daytona road course, he went on to win again at Watkins Glen International. His success on road courses combined with his victories that he's had this season might be the perfect mix for the Pit Box 250. The other one is a veteran. That's A.J. Armendinger driving number 16 for College Racing. He seems to have a niche on road courses. In 65 Xfinity Series races, he's posted 10 wins, and six of those wins are on road courses. Road America in 2013 and 19, Mid-Ohio 2013 and 21, and Charlotte in 20 and 21. Almondinger has yet to post a win this season, but it's very apparent that he's fighting for his chance to head to victory lane. He has posted a top 10 finish in every race so far this season and in 2021. He posted 18 top fives, 22 top tens, and 33 starts. So those are two of the names to definitely watch this weekend. Well, you mentioned Almanager looking for a a first win. Uh, No better place to look for it than on a road course, uh, no matter where it is. No doubt. Exactly. Now, the other one you mentioned, Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs, as he does it again. And what was an unexpected win happened for the driver, the number 54, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, last weekend in Atlanta Motor Speedway. The 19-year-old Ty Gibbs uh, didn't think he'd make the trip to victory lane after he made a mistake on pit road, which seemed to have cost him the race. But this is NASCAR, and anything can happen. It was an intense race that ultimately went... Yeah, uh, we've seen that. We knew that going into Atlanta for sure, the unknowns. Uh, It was an intense race that ultimately went to overtime, and Gibbs had found his way back to the front of the pack in the last lap and took home his second checkered flag of the season. 
coming up from Las Vegas and then Atlanta, becoming the first multi-winner of the season. Uh, he was extremely excited uh, following the, his victory there, uh, the not giving up and being able to rebound, thanking his entire crew for that. But February's mm-hmm. Daytona winner, Austin Hill, came home second. He was followed by Edja Allmendinger, Riley Herbst, Landon Castle, and then Ryan Sieg, who was passed by Gibbs for the lead on that last lap, ended up with a 10th place finish. Now, Gibbs is now locked into the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff with his wins and will look to pad his playoff points total going forward. This weekend at the Circuit of Americas, he'll be making his Xfinity Series track debut at the 3.41-mile road course. And though this will be his first start at COTA, don't expect him to slow down any uh, slow down any two of his six career Xfinity series wins have come on road courses 2021. It was a Daytona road course. And then again, and Watkins Glen at the end of the season. That's true. Now uh, also this weekend, you can watch for this, the Grammy nominated Dan Midland uh, is scheduled to perform the pre-race concert at COTA. So the band hails from nearby Dripping Springs, Texas, and will perform a pre-race concert just before Sunday's Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix uh, that starts at 3.30. Now, rooted in tradition, the trio, Midland, initially garnered attention playing in clubs around that Texas region. Their critically acclaimed sophomore album, Let It Roll, from Big Machine Records, earned the number one position on Billboard's top country album sales chart upon release. So Midland was also named the new vocal group of the year in 2018 ACM Awards and was nominated for vocal group of the year at the 2020 CMA Awards. So um, I think that ACM was supposed to be CMA. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, this is uh, pretty cool to have – uh, this kind of entertainment available at the uh, Xfinity Series race. And Are actually, Sharon, I don't series? know if you noticed. Yeah, that was. I was just going to say that was, that went into the Cup Series. So if you want to start with oh. the uh, race preview there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I apologize for that. I I did. I went right up the list there. Okay. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. Uh, at Circuit of the Americas will take place Sunday, March the 27th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, the purse there is $8,799,709. Fox will carry the coverage starting at 3 p.m. with the radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 231.88 miles over 68 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 15, stage 2 on lap 30, and the final stage ends on lap 68. Last year's race winner was none other than the road course uh, uh, expert, I guess, Chase Elliott. So now we'll do our head-to-head things. Yeah, as the NASCAR series featured matchups for the 2022 Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, at the Circuit of Americas. Uh, we'll look at some of the featured matchups fans can bet on heading into this weekend. 
I'm going to scroll down so I can start at the bottom matchup, which I believe, yeah, it's going to be Denny Hamlin, the number 11, versus the 18 of Kyle Busch. Uh, this matchup for Coda is an intriguing one that matches up two JGR superstars with similar records on road courses. Hamlin has the third highest average finish since 2019 on the road course track type uh, with an 8.912 among active drivers, but has had a miserable start to the 2022 season where he currently sits 26 in points. Now, Bush has had poor luck and unusual circumstances bite him on the road courses in recent years, culminating in what currently stands as the 19th best average finish at 16.5 on the road courses since 2019. That said, Bush is a four-time road course winner at the cup level and collected a surprise victory in the 2021 Bush Clash, which was contested on that Daytona road course. Okay, next up we've got the number two of Austin Sendrick versus the number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. Now the reigning Daytona 500 winner, Austin Sendrick, uh, is now going to get his first crack at the bread and butter type track as a full-time Cup Series driver this weekend. Sendrick is a classically trained road course racer at heart who came up with sports cars prior to transitioning to stock cars. And that road course acumen has yielded strong road course results for Cindric in his young NASCAR career. Five Xfinity Series road course wins and one Truck Series road course win are on his resume. Now, Truex makes a strong matchup for Cindric as the JGR veteran has one of the best stat lines in the sport in recent years on road courses. He has the fourth best driver rating on road courses since 2019 at 105.9 and the fourth best average finish in the same span at 10.50. So uh, that's a good matchup right there for those two drivers. It certainly is. And now we got another teammate matchup as we look at the number 24 of William Byron and the number five of Kyle Larson. Uh, For the first time ever, NASCAR.com fans voted for the preferred matchup of the week, and Byron versus Larson was the top choice. Fans certainly voted wisely, as both of these Hendrick Motorsports drivers have shown incredible speed on road courses in recent races. The last time the series visited a road course, which was the Charlotte Roval last fall, Larson won the race, but Byron arguably had the best car late in the event leading 30 laps in that final stage before an untimely late caution and contact with Tyler Reddick on the ensuing restart spoiled Byron's shot at that surprise victory. Okay. Uh, the next matchup and the last matchup is with Chase Elliott versus A.J. Allmendinger, another good one. Chase Elliott in the number nine and A.J. Allmendinger in that number 16. Much has been made in recent years about uh, Elliott's dominance on the road courses, and the stats bear that out. Elliott has won a stunning six out of the last 12 races on road courses, and he possesses an average finish of seven at the, at the same type of track. That's best among active drivers. While it would be tempting to match Elliott up with Hendrick Motorsports counterpart Kyle Larson this week, 
who won three road course events in 2021. The clean slate offered by the next-gen race car makes road course specialist A.J. Allmendinger the most intriguing matchup for Elliott heading into this weekend. Almondinger, who is on a part-time Cup Series schedule, has far and away the most experience on road courses outside of NASCAR. Uh, his illustrious career outside of stock car racing saw him win many races on road courses in circuit-based series like IMSA, IndyCar, and others. Plus, don't forget, he won at Indianapolis Road Course just last season. So uh, some really good matchups there for us to watch coming into this weekend. Jay, are you okay? Whoops. Uh, We're going to look at the playoff bubble, as right now four of last season's playoff drivers are outside of that points cutoff. And we've been through five races of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. Five different winners have secured their spot in the playoffs by virtue of the victory. At the end of the postseason outlook, Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick holds the 16th and final transfer spot into the playoffs by a slim four-point lead over RFK's Racing's Brad Keselowski. Now, that has changed as of today. Yes. Uh, Keselowski, <laughs> one of four playoff contenders from last season, currently outside the 2022 playoffs point cutoff as the series heads to the Circuit of America uh, for the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix this Sunday, March 27th. I will say this. Brad Keselowski was fined uh, 100 points, driver and owner. So mention he's, I believe, down in 29th or something somewhere, way down the list. Yeah, he's um, bar, pretty far down the, the list. Um, so we'll take a look at that, though. The driver's outside looking in. Mention Tyler Reddick at 126 is a four points above. Uh, Keselowski going to get uh, shuffled out there. Bubba Wallace is next in line at 120 minus six. Eric Jones, 115, is back 11. Uh, Chris Busher, 113, is minus 13. Austin Dillon, 99. Austin Haley, I'm sorry, Justin Haley, uh, 94. Ricky Stenhouse, 91. Corey LaJoy, 87. Ty Dillon, 86. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Denny Hamlin at uh, 79 is 47 back. Uh, we expect him. He's an annual uh, winner. Michael McDowell was a winner last year in that Daytona 500. He's at 78 points, 48 back. And then you got Cole Custer, Todd Gillen as a rookie, and Christopher Bell. Bell, another one uh, <clears throat> that was a winner last year, right now in 30th in points. Now, RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski currently. Well, he's uh, further back. Well, yeah. Uh, It looks to me like he's going to be below that uh, 32 line because if he takes away 100 points, that would leave him at 22. Um, I don't have a current updated since that penalty. Yeah, I've got it here. While you're talking, I'll I'll bring bring it up. Okay. Okay. Again, he's no longer currently in 17th, but uh, for that final transfer spot. But taking a look at him, the 2012 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Keselowski joined RFK Racing in the offseason with new crew chief Matt McCall. Uh, The duo has led 70 laps and posted one top 10 finish at Daytona this season. 
Uh, McCall will also serve a four-race suspension if that penalty is upheld. In last season's race at the Circuit of Americas, he finished 19th. Among active drivers, though, Keselowski ranks 12th in series career average finish on road courses with a 15.4. I mentioned one of the most surprising drivers to find uh, on this side of that playoff cut line. I mentioned Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin. Chesterfield, Virginia native, was a series points leader for 20 straight races last season. But this year, through five races, he's ranked 26 in points. Hamlin is 47 points behind Tyler Reddick, who is in that 16th and final playoff uh, position. Now look for Hamlin to turn his season around this weekend. He had a road course win at Watkins Glen International, finished 14th at the Circuit of America's last season, and is ranked 10th in series career average finish on road courses, coming in with a 15.1. Plus, he finished in the top five four times on road courses last season, which was the third most. Now, we mentioned uh, the 2021 Daytona 500 winner, Michael McDowell. He was looking to be be on another hot start this year with a top 10 finish to open the 2022 season. But since Daytona, he hasn't finished better than 24th, finds himself mired in the standings at 27th heading into Coda. McDowell is currently 48 points behind Tyler Reddick in that final transfer spot of 16th. McDowell will look to the right, uh, his ship, though, this weekend on the first road course of the season. McDowell started 23rd and raced his way up to a 7th place finish at the Circuit of America's race last season, and it was one of two top 10s that he put up on road courses last year. And then teetering on that very last spot, eligible to make the playoffs, uh, you got to be in the top 30 in points, there we find Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell, and he's sitting 57 points behind Tyler Reddick in that 16th and final transfer spot. Last season, Bell earned his spot into the playoffs by winning his first career Cup Series race at the Daytona Road Course. Bell managed to put up two top five finishes on the road courses last season and looks to get his 2022 season headed in the right direction this weekend at Circuit of Americas. At Coda last year, Bell was short, Bell's race was short-lived as he was caught in an incident on lap 20 and relegated to a 38th place finish. Okay. Now, just, just to kind of keep everybody updated on this points penalty for Brad Keselowski, uh, he did lose 100 points. So he went from 16th place down to 35th place. He's at negative 149, so he's 149 points back uh, from that, I think, from the leader, and 34 points back from 30th place, which is that cutoff to be eligible to be in the playoffs. So he could still make it. Well, we'll talk about this more uh, later on tonight when we talk on topics, uh, but just just uh, to kind of update everybody on where uh, Brad Keselowski actually is in the point standings based on the news that came out today. Okay, now the point standings leader is Chase Elliott, and he heads to Coda looking for his first win of the season. Now, Hendrick Motorsports is off to a really fast start this season with three of their four drivers already winning and securing their spot in the playoffs. Uh, that includes Kyle Larson, who won at Montana, Alex Bowman at Las Vegas, 
William Byron in Atlanta, and last season's Circuit of the Americas winner and current Cup Series point standings leader, Chase Elliott, is the lone Hendrick driver looking for his first win of the season. Uh, now, uh, we'll see what he does this weekend in the Echo Park uh, Automotive Grand Prix on Sunday. The winless this season, Chase Elliott and his number 19 have been pretty impressive. In five races this season, Elliott has collected three top ten finishes and right now holds a seven-point lead over Team Penske's Joey Logano in second place. Now, Elliott is not only the defending winner of the race this weekend, he also leads the series among active drivers in road course wins with seven. Now, Byron's victory at Atlanta last made Hendrick Motorsports just the second team in series history to win with three different drivers in the first five races of the Cup Series season. He joins car owner Carl Tiekenhafer's, <laughs> I probably butchered that name, uh, Mercury Marine Team, who accomplished the feat in 1956 with drivers Tim Flock, who won at Hickory, Pontypoc at Charlotte, and Buck Baker at Phoenix. Last season, Elliot and Larson finished first and second together in three of the seven road course races, and the duo led the series in top five finishes on road courses with five each. So uh, Chase Elliott uh, is definitely uh, one driver to watch this weekend. Well, and we got some other road course aces to watch this weekend as we head into the Circuit of Americas. The NASCAR Cup Series has 11 former road course winners entered in the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix this Sunday, March 27th. Uh, Ten of them are looking for their first win of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. Mentioned Hendrick Motorsports teammates Chase Elliott uh, having, whoa, my computer is jumping. Chase Elliott um, having seven road course wins, and then Kyle Larson with three. Uh, They have been the two hottest road course drivers over the last few seasons. Elliott, who leads all active drivers in road course wins, is currently ranked third on the NASCAR Cup Series all-time road course wins list behind Jeff Gordon with nine uh, road course wins, and then Tony Stewart with eight. Elliott's teammate Kyle Larson the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion, became the first driver in series history to win at three different road courses in a single season last year, picking up the win at Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and then the Charlotte Roval. Now, Joe Gibbs, my computer don't like me for some reason. Joe Gibbs racing uh, (laughs) Christopher Bell, uh, Daytona road course, and Colleg Racing's A.J. Allmendinger at the Indianapolis Road Course were the only drivers not in the Hendrick cramp to win on a road course in the NASCAR Cup Series season last year. Allmendinger finished uh, fifth at the Circuit of Americas in 2021, and Bell was caught in an incident where he finished 20, um, sorry, 38th. When we look at active road course winners for the Cup Series, mentioned uh, Chase Elliott has a total of seven wins, None at Sonoma, but two at Watkins Glen, two at the Charlotte Roval, one on that Daytona road course, none at Indy yet, 
Dakota, and then Road America. Now, Kyle Busch is next with four. His two, uh, or his four come two at Sonoma and two at Watkins Glen, which you keep in mind for a lot of seasons, those were the only two road courses. Uh, Martin Truex, four as well. His was three at Sonoma, one at Watkins Glen. Now, Kyle Larson mentioned his were spread out, one at Sonoma, one at Watkins Glen, and one at the Charlotte Roval for his three. Kevin Harvick has two. That goes back to the original two on the circuit, Watkins Glen and Sonoma. Now, Adrian Allmendinger, he's got the one at Watkins Glen, but also the one at Indy. Uh, drivers with one road course victory, we've got Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, and Denny Hamlin. Joey Logano's uh, coming at Watkins Glen. Kurt Busch is at Sonoma. Ryan Blaney's coming at the Charlotte Roval. Christopher Bell mentioned uh, the Daytona road course. And then Denny Hamlin at Watkins Glen. Now, right behind Elliott on that active NASCAR Cup Series road course wins list, there you find Joe Gibbs Racing teammates Kyle Busch and Martin Truex with four each uh, on road courses. Busch finished 10th at Coda last season. Truex was caught in an incident and finished 35th. But watch for both to be towards the front this weekend as Truex ranks fifth among active drivers in series career average finish on road courses, having a 13.8, and Busch ranks eighth with a 14. And last but not least, there is Team Penske's Joey Logano, uh, who finished third in last season's Circuit of the Americas race behind Elliott and Larson. Uh, Logano looked to be in the car to beat last season, leading the most laps of 14 in the event. Logano has already had one career road course win coming at Watkins Glen, has the sixth best career average finish on road courses among active drivers, as he ranks in at a 13.9. Okay, uh, I'm really excited about this NASCAR return to the Circuit of the Americas this year. Uh, the first five races of the season have been action-packed, and now the Cup of Series is returning to Coda uh, for the first of six road courses on the schedule this year. Coda, Sonoma, Road America, Indianapolis Road Course, Watkins Glen, and the Charlotte Roval. Uh, now, on 1,500 acres of land just outside of Austin, Texas construction began in 2010 on what is now known as the Circuit of the Americas. It's a 20-turn, 3.41-mile, multi-elevational, counterclockwise circuit that takes advantage of the naturally rolling landscape, including a 133-foot hill at turn one. Track also has an amphitheater, the largest permanent outdoor amphitheater in central Texas, and a 251-foot observation tower. The first NASCAR Cup Series race held at Circuit of the Americas was last year on May 23rd, but the event was shortened 14 laps from the scheduled distance because of weather. The inaugural Cup event at Coda saw 10 different leaders, 11 lead changes, uh, and Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott took the checkered flag by passing his teammate, Alex Bowman, which is five laps before the race was called. The victory was his seventh Cup Series road course career win, moving him solely into third on the all-time road course, road course wins list behind NASCAR Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon with nine and Tony Stewart with eight. 
This weekend's on-track activity for the Cup Series begins with practice on Saturday, March the 26th at 10 a.m., followed by the Bushlight Hopeful qualifying at 11 a.m. Both will be televised on Fox Sports 1, but the race itself will be on Fox. Okay, so we made it just (laughs) once again through all of our uh, preview there. Uh, As we transition over to our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, I think it's just going to be the three of us tonight. Uh, Do you want to do a quick update on our fantasy team? All right, and I don't know if you noticed there, uh, it sounded like Andy was going to have to call in about 10 minutes late, I think is what he said, running a little behind, um, but would be calling in. Okay. Uh, Okay. Let let me find our uh, fan for racing uh, fantasy points here. Been a lot of fun. Mentioned all the different winners we've been having in the series. So the truck series right now, Andy leads that with 20 points. Brian Owen, Brian and Owen tied at 15, then Sharon at 14, Sam at 12, Tommy 10, James 9, and I'm not at the bottom no more. I'm tied with Mike at 7. So I got company down there. Uh, on the Xfinity Series, Andy leads this one as well, 29 points, James 25, Mike 24, Brian 23, Sam 22, me 21, then we got a little jump. Owen is at 16, Tommy 15, and unfortunately, Sharon, you're, uh, you don't have no company there. You're at 10 on the Xfinity Series. On the cup side, here we got a tie at the top. A company up there, Brian and myself, are tied at 41. Uh, Tommy's at 38, Sharon at 33, Sam 32, Mike 29, Owen 28, and James 26, and Andy 25. So overall, that puts Brian at the lead with 79, Andy 74, Jay, I got 69, Sam has 66, Tommy 63, James and Mike tied at 60, Owen at 59, and Sharon at 57. So a 22-point gap top. Uh-oh, did I lose you? Are you still there, Jay? Or did I lose? Okay, Jay just hung up. He's going to call back in. Uh, So, yeah, I I did not hear him. And I was checking my phone to see if I was on there. Andy is going to be a little bit late here tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to him in a little bit, and uh, but he will be joining us for the hot topic. So uh, as soon as Jay comes back, we'll go ahead and bring him into the queue so that he can finish doing uh, the review here of our fantasy league. So I'm expecting him to call back here momentarily. Okay, we're still waiting for Jay to call back in, Uh, but there was a lot of news that came out today, and I know we're going to be talking about it on our Hot Topic Sound Up, uh, and we'll probably want Jay and Andy to be here for that. Um, 
so I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe Jay will send me a message. Okay, Jay, come on, Jay. <laughs> I hope everything's okay there uh, with Jay because uh, we're not going to have much of a hot topic if it's uh, just going to be me. Okay, we're still on hold here. Uh, we're waiting for Jay to call back in uh, for our hot topic segment. I know Andy's going to be a little bit late. We're just past the top of the hour here. Uh, maybe I'll review some of the hot topics that we will be discussing. Of course, one of the biggest hot topics uh, that we'll be discussing uh, is the penalty that came out today for uh, RFK Racing and the number 16. Uh, that was uh, kind of the biggest news of the day, if you will. Um, Okay, I'm waiting. Okay, Jay seems to be locked out. Uh, so let me know. Okay, so let me see here if we can figure out what's going on with Jay. He shouldn't be locked out because we're still during our uh, scheduled time. So apparently he's been trying to call in and hasn't been able to get through because uh, for whatever reason, he shouldn't be locked out. Uh, We go until our scheduled time of 1030. Then after 1030, he would be locked out. Okay. Not hearing from you. Let's see. Okay, excuse me while I'm communicating with Jay here. He's trying to communicate with me. Uh, And I don't see him in the queue. So. Okay, so again, we're waiting for Jay. Okay, so Jay is, I think, going to try to call back here. Um, it's a little hard kind of trying to communicate with him and talk on the show at the same time here. Okay, there it's Jay. We've got him back. Yeah, there you okay, I don't know Jay, why mine still shows. Yeah, mine still showed me as on. That's why I was asking if you were on. You said I wasn't in the queue, so I looked at it, and apparently sometime mine, at some point mine did disconnect, so it was me that was not on. Oh, okay, so you thought I had dropped. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I, I was actually talking about, some of the hot topics we were going to discuss. I've already talked about three of them, but nobody heard me. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't hear a word of it. Uh, we didn't hear you finish up the uh, fantasy thing. Oh, really? Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, you dropped off that, while but... you were doing the fantasy. 
All right. Well, I can go back and uh, recap that real quick. Was Andy on yet? No, he's not here yet. Okay. So going to that, uh, would you know where I left off when I went out, Sharon? You know, I can't tell you. I want to say you were finishing up with the Xfinity and going into the cup. All right. So we'll slide from there on the cup side. Uh, myself and Brian are tied at the top with 41. Tommy at 38. Sharon at 33. Sam, 32. Mike's at 29. Owen, 28. And James at 26. And Andy at uh, 25. Overall, uh, Brian come in strong here uh, to start the season. Got 79 points. Andy's at 74. I'm at 69. Sam at 66. Tommy, 63. And we got James and Mike tied at 60 even. And Owen at 59. Sharon at 57. So only uh, two, 22 points uh, top to bottom on the overall, which is uh, three races, a little over two races, actually, with nine points available this year. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Okay, I know it hasn't been my best year, <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I mentioned okay. you had the, had the bottom of the Xfinity Series covered. I got the bottom of the uh, uh, Truck Series, and uh, fortunately, Mike came down with me this time. Yeah, and that's kind of unusual. You guys are usually at the top of the heap. But uh, that's good to see some new names at the top of our heap. Yeah, I mentioned that Brian joining us this year as he returned to fan for racing. Uh, been a lot, of having, a lot of fun having him on and increasing that points because now it's a, a bigger gap. Yeah, some of the races, especially if you win the previous week or uh, top finish, you get down to the bottom, especially like road courses. There aren't a lot of road courses uh, veterans. So you got to get kind of creative, which I kind of like. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's kind of tough uh, choosing, especially for the Cup Series this year. Um, and with the changes at Atlanta, that's, that, that's now become another wild card. Okay, Jay, uh, do you have some topics that you and I can discuss uh, while we're waiting for Andy to show up all right, well, I, I was just reading, uh, which, like I said, apparently I wasn't talking to anybody but myself. Um, one of going back up to the uh, hot topics, we can kind of do a recap. I know I talked to Mike about it. Um, let's see which ones we got here. I that. know one of the big ones we're going to be talking is about that uh, Kozlowski uh, penalty. Right, and that's why I thought maybe you'd want to wait until uh, wait until Andy yeah. gets on to talk about that one. So definitely, we'll go with uh, go with uh, Kyle Petty making a bold remark that William Byron is the future HMS, not Chase or uh, Elliott or Kyle Larson. Which Mike, the one put it up, uh, sure he uh, disagrees wholeheartedly with Kyle Petty on that one. Um, what are your thoughts <laughs> on that one? Okay. Um... I I don't know. I I think he's basing that on the fact of what we just talked about in our, our preview. Uh, three of the four drivers already have wins in the first five races. Uh, the one who doesn't have a win yet is Chase Elliott. I do think that Chase Elliott is going to uh, 
probably come up with a win and be a part of the playoffs this season. Uh, but I do think that William Byron, I, I know it doesn't seem like he's a quick study when I say that, but we've watched him come up through the series, um, different series, and he seems to be a quick study. The other thing about William Byron that makes him so different from the other drivers is he didn't start racing until he was in high school. <laughs> he um, uh, started out with eye racing was doing really well with the eye racing, and that's what got everybody's attention that brought him into, uh, you know, NASCAR's uh, top three. So, and in each of the series, he's been a quick study and moved up fairly quickly up into NASCAR's Cup Series. So I think that he certainly has that potential. It did take him a little while to make the adjustment coming into the Cup Series into the Cup Series, but I think now that he's made that adjustment, I think he's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know if he's going to take over uh, Chase Elliott, but I certainly do think that the potential is there. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, the, you're right. The potential is most certainly there, and we're seeing it starting to to really peak. Uh, you're right. It did take him a little bit to adjust to the Cup Series, that jump from the Xfinity Series to the Cup. Um, every other series he had kind of taken by storm. But I think back that it did for Chase Elliott as well. So I'm not overly concerned there. The one thing that I keep uh, find funny is that the hack or uh, driver backing into wins last year behind Kyle Larson, it was Alex Bowman that got the second amount of victory. He just seems to get Mm -hmm. overshadowed repeatedly. And he is one, as you mentioned, already has a victory this year. So I think Hendrick is sitting pretty uh, for years to come. Who you want to put as the top driver? I think until somebody knocks Kyle Larson off, uh, it's got to be Kyle Larson. You know, I I see where there may be some questioning of Chase Elliott, but we saw this in the past, too, when I think of HMS – when Jeff Gordon was on tap on top and Jimmy Johnson come in, starts winning and kind of took over. Um, that doesn't mean Gordon has lost anything. He still battled for, uh, for championships. Um, but we might've seen a little bit of that shifting, uh, but I don't see any of them like up and going away or leaving Hendrick Motorsports. And we know Chase Elliott actually just a re-signed. Yes. And I suspect that this is a conversation that could happen several times throughout the season because at any given time, one of the, you know, there's going to be some of these drivers that are going to be out racing the other drivers. So, um, you know, at one point uh, it's going to be Chase Elliott. At another point it's going to be William Byron. At another point it's going to be Kyle Larson. And another point, like you mentioned, Alex Bowman had five wins last season. So I, I just think that uh, you're right. Kendrick Motorsports is doing so well this year and last year, and they're really set with these four drivers that will definitely take them into the future. And uh, I don't see any of them really slowing down along the way. So, um uh, Kyle Larson, of course, won the championship last year. Alex Bowman had uh, all of his wins last year. 
and um, uh, I, I just think that uh, it's a it's a great group that's at Hendrick Motorsports, and it could be Chase Elliott that ends up he starts slow but ends up uh, multiple wins this year. So who knows how it's going to end up, but uh, I think that all of these drivers are talented. Well, and certainly heading into a road course, uh, I know that. Chase Elliott had become one of the top road courses, as we talked about during our preview show. Um, so I think there are some things, not that he runs bad on uh, other tracks. One thing that I know kind of brought this to the highlight, but I think back to Joe Gibbs racing a few years back. You've got Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex comes over from front uh, furniture row, sorry, where they were using Joe Gibbs equipment, and he gets into the full Joe Gibbs racing equipment and kind of starts beating up on him. All that means is that these other teams got to up their, up their game, you know, step it up. I know with Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson there had a little run in on the track, and I think that all got settled. You mentioned it. As the top, as top teams, especially if it's within your own organization, you're going to be running next to each other. Uh, we've seen it with Junior Motorsports in the, uh, in the Xfinity Series. You'll get through it because as an organization, you're just that dominant winning. That tends to cure a lot of things. It certainly does. Okay. Uh, any other topics you want to discuss here? Well, uh, okay, again, I'll put up one. Um, this is one I think I was uh, kind of going over. It says, uh, shows uh, Bubba Wallace expected to drive the number 18 car, which we know he is now, for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series race at Circuit of Americas. Mike's comment there, I guess they're trying to get him reps. Bubba has traditionally been terrible on road courses i don't have his stats to include that um and then the second tweet from bob pockers says he will also do the xfinity race at the indy road course in the jgr xfinity car dr pepper is going to sponsor him at coda okay well here's the thing um any, uh, he's not. They're not the only driver. He's not the only driver that's doing uh, multiple races this weekend. Uh, I think Cole Custer is going to be doing the Xfinity race as well as uh, the uh, Cup Series race. Uh, a lot of these drivers are looking to get uh, that track time on uh, the road course, especially Circuit of the Americas. Uh, when you think about it, that one, that track probably has. Uh, the least amount of uh, drive time for a lot of these drivers. And uh, they want to get as much track time as they can uh, and seat time as they can in in uh, multiple series uh, in order to do well in the Cup Series. So uh, I think it's good that they're doing that with Bubba Wallace. Uh, he's going to be in the number 18 Xfinity uh, car, and we know that that 18 Xfinity car is capable of winning. So uh, I think it could be a morale booster for Bubba Wallace, uh, and uh, it could help, definitely help him in the Cup Series as well. So uh, I I think it's a good idea uh, that these guys are doing multi-races, including Bubba Wallace. And that's where I don't uh, don't agree with Mike of just because he's not particularly good uh, on road courses. Because think about it, we talked about it. Kyle Busch 
hit 100 career Xfinity Series win. I think he ended with 102 um, last season. At this point, has held held true to his statement that he wouldn't run anymore. But mm-hmm. Joe Gibbs Racing is still running that car full time, so they need drivers and sponsors slotted into them. So I think that's an opportunity. And leading into that, if Kyle Busch, the, a sponsorship opportunity comes where they need him, I think he still will. I know that would be against his word, and I'm sure that will upset a lot of people. But that's part of what it has to do with is the sponsor and availability. Now, if that being the case, why would you not capitalize on tracks where you don't have a lot of experience, need to improve? And we mentioned you mentioned Cole Custer. Kyle Busch is driving the truck race this weekend along with Alex mm-hmm. Bowman. So, I mean, that just it just makes sense if you have that opportunity um, to improve, no matter what course, what track it is. If you need think you need a little bit more experience, or possibly getting towards the end of the season where you need a win, run the Xfinity say, Xfinity race the day before for the Cup race to lock in and get that good finish or possibly victory to lock yourself in. You know, there's a lot of different reasons. I don't want it label. I don't like it being labeled that. He uh he isn't good at it, and that's why he needs the reps. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> I agree. Uh, a lot of times we tend to look at the the negative side versus the positive side of why different things are happening within uh, the sport. But uh, yeah, this is this is this could very well be uh, Bubba Wallace stepping up as a team player and taking that spot. So. Uh, you know, we know he's a team player. We've seen him do team player kind of things. So, uh, uh, I, I uh, like I say, it, and he's not the only one. There's so many others uh, that are doing uh, double time uh, this weekend in this in the circuit of the Americas uh, for the obvious reasons. Uh, it's it's not. Uh, I think it's a fun track. I love the fact that it's multi-elevational and uh, and all of that, but it's going to take it's going to take these guys more than just a year or two uh, to be good at Circuit of the Americas. And keep in mind, last year when they were there, it was in the rain. So this year they get the chance to be out there and on the track and in the sun uh, to get that experience on this track. So uh, I say we give it uh, a few years here. Uh, before we start uh, looking at the negative side of why somebody might be racing multiple races. So that's a good point, Jay. Well, and, and listening to Sirius XM, uh, I think it was the afternoon show there uh, with Chocolate Myers, uh, Larry McReynolds talking about it. This car, the Gen 7 car, appears to be more designed for better road course racing. When you look at the older car, talking about the way it's offset, the camber is built Everything is uh, asymmetric now that overall I think we're going to see some better, more competitive road course racing as these cars are designed to, you know, think about it in the past. I mentioned we only had Sonoma and Watkins Glen and teams built cars specifically for those races. Uh, I don't think you have to do that as much anymore. I'm sure the top teams still do that because uh, they can, but you don't have that as much anymore because this car is designed to, handle that going from track to track that it's not a super speedway car or a road course car. Exactly. So uh, you bring up some uh, really good points there. I think the other one that we can kind of talk about here, I guess, is uh, 
there's a project that's kind of on the table right now. Let me see. It says new messages down here. Yeah, I just oh, added one. Is, too. Oh, you added one. Okay. I'll go ahead and, and do this one. Um, there's a project that's uh, kind of on the table right now awaiting some approval, but it indicates that there are four clear candidates for three driver slots at, uh, for a Camaro at the 2023 24 Hours of Le Mans. And those four candidates include Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. Uh, the final lineup will likely depend on scheduling and training. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, who was it that was just announced? Oh, that they were going to do that uh, Garage 56 entry um, at the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. So, uh, yeah, three drivers out of the four will get it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who that is. Who do you think, Jay? Well, being that it is a HMS, uh, you know, obviously Jeff Gordon being at the head of that is uh, what I believe vice president of HMS now. Um, that's not surprising. You know, it's tied with Chevrolet and Hendrick Motorsports putting a lot into it. I know they're still working with Richard Childress uh, as well as far as the engine package, I believe. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. A little question about the two top active drivers in Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. And it mentions there it could depend on their schedule and or training, um, that it's not a lockdown deal. I kind of would have liked to have seen maybe a little more variety from other teams, but I understand it. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's HMS uh, project, if you will, that was really at the forefront of it. So, yeah, that's their, their choice to make um, as they get approval for it. Uh, and I say Mike didn't put any comments there, but I'm sure he's pretty much happy with it being uh, HMS. Um, and we know that Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, we talked about their road course statistics, uh, as well as Jeff Gordon being the top. Um, you know, and then just bringing Jimmy Johnson back, I know he's done some of the IMSA road course racing and was doing the road courses in IndyCar. So I think it's a good mix. Like I said, maybe getting a little bit more variety and mixture would have been a little bit better. Okay. I hate that we didn't get to talk about the biggest news story of the day yet. Uh, and Andy's not here yet. If he doesn't call in by 1030, uh, we're probably not going to be able to get him in. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and talk real quick. Well, I'll go ahead and do my announcement. We are going to go off the air at uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for those people that might be tuning in for the first time, uh, we will continue our conversation and record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. I will come out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available. And speaking of that, there's Andy now. Uh, I'll let you know that the podcast is available so that you can uh, then go to the player there at fansforacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation, which is going to be the media part of our conversation here tonight. Uh, when we talk about the uh, big penalties that came out today. But first of all, let me, first of all, welcome Jay, or not Jay, Jay's been here. Let me welcome Andy into the show. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. The other Jay, I suppose, right? Uh, better late the than other never. Jay, I, yeah. I apologize for the uh, 
<laughs> I apologize for the uh, late entrance here. I was uh, on my way home from work, and things took a little longer than expected tonight, but uh, glad I could get on here before uh, before things timed out at 10.30. Yeah, you. I was already starting to get worried about that. Um, we were just about ready to talk about uh, – shall we go ahead and get in it and save this one, or do you want to talk about the street course? All right, we got we got Andy here. I know we got Mike's uh, comments in there, so I think everybody can be represented if we do want to talk about it, um, or if we hold off till Monday, we might have more update on if they appeal it too. So uh, that's up to you, Sharon. Okay. Uh, well, I, I do want to talk about it. We can always do the follow up uh, on it. Um, that's true. We can always do the fo- follow up on it on Monday. Uh, but I think we should talk about it. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about it. Andy, we'll let you have the first say in this big um, penalty that came out today for uh, Brad Keselowski and RFK Racing, a deduction of 100 owner points, 100 driver points, and 10 NASCAR playoff points for the number six Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing Team for modifying a single-source supplied part. Crew Chief Matt McCall has been fined $100,000 and suspended for the next four races. We've not heard a word yet from Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. I imagine they are debating or trying to determine if they're going to appeal penalty uh, which would delay them uh, in uh, having to serve the penalty for the crew chief, Matt McCall. Uh, but I'm hoping we hear something on that tomorrow. But, Andy, what are your thoughts about this penalty? And uh, moving, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, huge, uh, very huge. In fact, when I saw the, the headline earlier today, I kind of had to do a double take because I, I didn't know if it was real or not at first. Um, you know, in all honesty, this is this is a big deal, and, and this could make or break their season. Um, I do think Brad, given his talent, uh, has the ability to win a race and, and possibly still make the playoffs this year, but – um, that job just got a lot more difficult, and they haven't really been running well enough to win yet. So they've got a lot of work to do uh, because getting in on points is kind of out the window at this point. You know, a 100-point penalty is, is pretty significant. Um, I'm a bit surprised that, that someone was willing to take that kind of a risk this early in the season. Um, you know, I thought it was made pretty clear um you know, before the season even started that, you know, if, if a team was found to manipulate the vendor supplied parts, that the penalties would be really severe. Um, you know, NASCAR's made it pretty clear with this new cup car that, um, you know, you're not supposed to manipulate or touch anything or change anything, you know? And so, um, the fact that a team was willing to risk it, um, and, you know, get caught from it, you know, it makes you wonder if the risk was worth it. I would say probably not. Um, it begs the question in my mind that with, if they got caught, it, it, it makes you wonder if anyone else was doing it. But if anyone else is doing it, um, certainly RFK racing has been made an example of, and I, it's a pretty stiff penalty to, to pay. So, 
I would hope that it's a wake up call for the rest of the garage to, to not do that. Um, you know, but I, I guess I'm surprised that they, they did it only because, you know, I thought that I thought the penalties, you know, were, were made very clear before the season started. So you hate to see that. I, I don't, um, I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, it, 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 what it really boils down to is they got caught doing something they shouldn't be doing. Um, you can't really make any excuses for it or, or justify it because it's against the rules. And I would say the same thing if it were my favorite driver that did it. You know, it, they got caught doing something they shouldn't. They're going to pay the price and, and we move on. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a bit surprising to see this because I really thought it was spelled out. And, and in my opinion, um, it's kind of a disrespect to NASCAR because, you know, NASCAR flat out said, you know, these are the rules. If you get caught, this is what the penalty is going to be. And yet teams decided to go ahead and do it anyway. But that in itself is kind of what we've seen over the years. And we'll always probably see teams push the envelopes and, you know, eventually, you know, people get caught doing things they shouldn't be doing. But um, yeah, they, they screwed up and, and they're paying the price for it. And it, it could have a uh, an effect on, on whether or not they make the playoffs this year because, you know, like I said, with the exception of, I guess, maybe Daytona, they have not been good enough to win a race this year, and uh, they've got a lot of work to do if they expect to, to make the playoffs. You hate to see it. I like Brad. You know, I think obviously his his um, credentials speak for themselves. He, he's a championship driver, but um, – not not really a good start for him and his new tenure with with that team and uh, you know hopefully they get things squared away. Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I need you to answer a question there, Sharon. Where are we at on the on the chain? First time is uh, what do you mean? First first time oh, is an first accident. Time, first time's an accident. Second time's coincidence. By the third time, you've got a bad habit that needs to be broken. Okay. We saw this from RFK. They were the ones that were doing something with the wheel wells at Daytona. Now, NASCAR did take the wheels and then came back and said, okay, we'll work with this. But they did it without permission and then tried to justify it. So I think we're approaching that, hey, we're going down a coincidence. As you said, then, we're at the coincidence level or close to it. Um, and I'm glad to see NASCAR slap the hand and slapped it hard. Uh, now I will say this is a case of, and I don't know what constitutes the level three where they would be out of the playoffs, but this is one of those that I agree with Mike, the hundred points puts them in a big hole. Okay. They can still win a race, get in the top 30 and then hopefully, uh, maybe make the playoffs if they get the ship righted. Um, but it hasn't taken them out of it. So, they didn't uh, destroy their season, but it's going to be a, an uphill challenge for them, especially since we haven't exactly seen them knocking down top fives as of yet. So I, I do like that, that it didn't take them out of the, completely out of the playoffs, but they're going to have to work their tails off to, uh, to get back to where they need to be and be in contention to just get a bottom playoff spot by picking up a victory and, and that, getting in that way. So... Um, NASCAR needed to stand by it. They they set it out, like you said, prior to the season. And Andy said it's kind of an insult to them. You know, you're pushing them. And they came back and said, all right, we're going to push back. And this is the first one we've seen. Yes, indeed. 
a couple of things I'm going to kind of add to the story here that I've kind of learned throughout the day is the reason this car was uh, one of the cars that was picked to go back to the Research and Development Center is because it was one of the few cars that wasn't wrecked at Data at Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend. So NASCAR didn't have that many cars to choose, uh, but his car was one of the cars that was still surviving at the end of the race, and they took it back to the R&D Center, and that's when they found uh, the issue. Uh, now, we don't know exactly what the issue is, but what I've been hearing uh, is that there are about 30-some parts uh, that have, NASCAR has told the drivers these parts are, you, are parts that you get from the vendors that we've selected. You don't get them from anywhere else, and you do not touch these parts, okay? It's one of those 30-some parts that we're talking about. So it's been made, as Andy said, very clear from the beginning that those parts come from those vendors only and are not tampered with in any way, shape, or form. Um, So kind of interesting. It's going to be interesting to find out exactly what the part is. If we ever find out, uh, there's been a lot of speculation today, uh, but we really don't know what that part is yet. the other thing that I learned is that uh, 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 the penalties themselves are really for an L2 infraction. Uh, they can be a points deductions from 75 to 120 points. They were they were docked at 100 points, which is kind of in the middle of that range. Playoff points deductions from 10 points to 25 points. They could have taken as much as 25 points from the playoff points. They only took 10. Uh, The suspension of one or two crew members for four to six races. They had one crew member for four races. And the fines could be anywhere from 100,000 to 250,000. So that's at the lower end of that range. So I do think when you look at this, uh, for an L2 infraction, it, they were already prepared. To, if, if you went there, you should expect <laughs> to get anywhere from the low end to the high end of that, uh, that uh, range of uh, penalty for an L2 infraction. Uh, NASCAR went from the low to the mid-range I think on all of those uh, in all of those cases. Uh, so I, for these guys, I would consider that a warning. <laughs> don't don't make us do this further. Uh, another point that's been made really clear throughout the day today, as I've been listening to to NASCAR uh, Sirius XM, is that, uh, and this seems to be a, a pretty um, uh, universal feeling uh, is that since these guys, and Andy, you said it, since these guys, and so did you, Jay, have been told from the very beginning, this was announced in January, that they were not going to, um, you know, they were going to be very serious about 
uh, penalties this year and that penalties would be stiffer, and they've been told from the very beginning not to tamper with those pieces. Now, where some people think there might be some um, uh, what do you, confusion or some speculation of what might happen here is the area of the recent announcement that NASCAR made because of the supply chain issue, there is some concession, if you will, from NASCAR that repairs can be made to these cars, but there has to be an approval before those repairs are made. So, um, if but so again, I would say that uh, these guys, if they didn't ask for that approval and they went ahead and did it without the approval, that could be another place where this is going to hit heavy. Um, but it's universally, people have felt like the rules have been made very clear from the very beginning. The rules are the same for everybody. Uh, some people are saying they're probably not the only ones who did this. There's probably a lot of people to the point that Jay uh, said that there are probably other people that have made uh, modifications. But I think what NASCAR is doing is they're making Brad, this RFK Racing and the number six team the example for everybody else. If you're doing that, you better be careful because you could be in the same place that Brad Keselowski is. They moved him from 16th place in the point standings. That's inside the cut line, by the way, for the playoffs. He was 22 points back with 122 points. He's now 35th behind every full-time driver in the field. So he is, that was a huge hit for that team. And I would say, uh, personally, I think it's a bigger hit than the $100,000 fine. Uh, so that is a very clear and distinct message that I think NASCAR is sending with regard to the cell tube penalty. But they obviously felt like it was serious enough to call it an L2 penalty. And uh, I am going to be curious to hear what RFK has to say when they come out with their statement um, and if they are going to appeal it. Uh, but I don't think they're going to get very far if they do appeal it. The senior vice president of competition, Scott Miller, said to make sure all those things stay above board, there is going to have to be a culture shift from the way that the teams and NASCAR, for that matter, have done business. Um, so the deterrence model has more meat in it. It's more meaningful penalties. But I think we all thought that it was time to do this with the introduction of the new car. So that was the, the comments from Scott Miller, the vice president of competition at NASCAR. And I have to agree with him. I, I, we've talked about this, how we felt that NASCAR needed to be uh, more heavy-handed with the penalties, and now they're doing it. So uh, I think they're doing the right thing. Uh, I was a little winded there, but Andy, what's your follow-up? I apologize. Oh no, it's, it's it's a big topic for sure. So it's okay, but um, yeah, I guess my follow-up would be, you know, was this even enough of a penalty? I would tend to think it was. Um, 
you know, but I, I would be curious to see, you know, if someone were to try to do this again, you know, maybe maybe you take them out of the playoffs completely and say you can't be in them this year because, you know, you, you've screwed up. But um, Well, that you know, is a three penalty. Right, you know, and I, I you have to wonder if, if it happens again, if we might see something like that. I hope we don't see that. Honestly, you know, you don't like to see these kinds of things and you don't like to see teams suffer these kinds of consequences, but the fact is they, they made a mistake and they have to pay that price. Um, and I would tend to think that it's probably a lesson learned. And I think it's a lesson learned possibly for the rest of the garage too, because it's a wake up call that NASCAR is serious about the penalties that they set forth at the beginning of the season. So, um, you know, certainly it's quite a step back. You know, I, I, I do think that it puts them from here on out in a in a potential must-win season because in order to make the playoffs, um, when you consider their performance, they're going to have to get drastically better if they expect to get into this, you know, via points. So, you know, I, I think it puts them in a huge deficit. And, and to your point, Sharon, I think that the points is where it hits the most. The money's no big deal for a team like that. I'm not even sure that the, the crew suspension is a big deal because the crew members communicate from home quite easily and can call the shots just as they would as if they were on the pit box. But 100 points, especially in our current point system, is a big deal. In fact, I think he fell back to 35th in points, which is a dismal situation to be in after five races. And so, um, you know, certainly puts that team in a, in a pretty tough spot uh, moving forward. But I, I would like to think that it's, it's lesson learned for the rest of the garage. And if any other teams were doing something similar, then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that's the wake up call to, to not do that. You know, you want to, you want to know as a fan that everyone's putting an honest effort forward. And I know over the years, teams have pushed the envelopes and they're going to try to do what it takes to, to find that competitive advantage. But, you know, that was, that was the gen six car, um, you know, this is this is a new era with this new car where it's been explicitly stated that, that that's not going to be tolerated. Um, and we call it a spec car for a reason because everything's supposed to be the same. You know, yes, the teams assemble and build these cars, but they're with the provided parts that they have set forth. So, you know, you want everything to be um, honest from a rule book standpoint. And, you know, I think this is an example of, Someone got caught, they're paying the price, and, and and hopefully that's the one time we see it this year. But I guess I was a bit surprised to see it so early in the season. I knew we might see some penalties maybe at some point, but, you know, interesting that some of these teams were willing to push the envelope so early on in the year. Jay? Well, I think back to, uh, you know, we hit on several things. We knew the money, monetary fine wasn't doing it, so the point thing was a direction NASCAR had to go, and they let them know up front, you know, it could, it was going to happen, and the range it could fall in. Now Sharon mentioned it was kind of middle of the road, if not to on the white end. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, but we saw this when we talked about uh, when they first came with the taking the win away. You know, they're going to push it and test that water and find out if that they're really going to adhere to it. And they did then, and they're going to now. Um, and I was going through trying to find something written uh, through Twitter and all the other articles that have come out today. 
uh, I, I thought I heard on uh, Sirius XM radio that it was one of the under panels that was what uh, was modified, but I cannot find confirmation of that in any of the written articles that we've seen. Yeah, I think it's all speculation right now. Okay, and, and I say I couldn't remember uh, which channel I was listening to that that I heard that, but uh, that I thought that came across there, maybe, and like you said, if that was what they had heard through the grapevine, um, it certainly hasn't been confirmed because there was it just says a one of the thirty parts that where they were told was off limits or a spec part. Um, so you know, I, I kind of look at it of you know it had to happen. So it happened to, unfortunately, be Brad Keselowski, and I can't say he's one of my favorite drivers or an enemy driver. Um, I hate to see it happen to anybody, but we know it's going to happen, and hopefully everybody else learns from it. The fact that my concern is we've already seen it with this team, um, like I said, with Daytona. Now, whether that one got justified as a safety thing and they didn't really take the penalty, uh, there was still some manipulation going there. Uh, just NASCAR allowed it. So a uh, little concerned when it comes to that of uh, Sharon, you know, we're approaching that, you know, habit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other points that I wanted to make is some of the fans are blaming NASCAR for the penalty. Uh, NASCAR doesn't want to hand out penalties. That's not the headlines that NASCAR wants. Uh So the blame really needs to go to the team and not to NASCAR. Uh, That was another point that I wanted to make. And the other thing is that I I wanted to get your guys' thoughts, and I hope we've got time to do this, on whether or not you think Brad Keselowski can fight back and get it, because he could get a win. Right now he's in 35th place, so he's below that 30-point cutoff line. But with that win, uh, can he get enough points to put him above that 30 uh, 30th place cut off. And then the other thing is the loss of the 10 playoff points. He's going to start at a deficit with, with like negative 10 playoff points. He's got to get those 10 playoff points plus in order to start accumulating playoff points on the board. So what are your thoughts? I know you've kind of alluded to it, Andy. You, you kind of said that you didn't think he'd be able to fight back, but I don't know. Do you think as the season progresses and they get to know the car better, uh, is it possible for him? Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I definitely do. I, I, I just think that it. what I meant by that statement was that I think it puts him in a huge deficit moving forward, but certainly not impossible. And I think when you look at a, a driver of his caliber, um, getting well into the top 30 is going to be no big deal. Um hard to say exactly where he can climb back to win the points, but I would say anywhere between 15th to 25th is probably easily obtainable. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of winning a race. And, um, you know, certainly when you consider how fast he was at Daytona, you know, we've got Talladega coming up. We've got Daytona in August. Um, I, I have to think that, you know, in, in a season with this new car, we're going to see, uh, as they say, comers and goers uh, throughout the year where, you know, maybe the teams that are really good right now maybe fade a little bit. We might see some teams that are struggling, maybe gain their footing, which may include RFK racing. So um, you can't rule them out by any means. I don't know that you can really rule anyone out um, at this point in the year just because things are still very new 
and you know teams are still learning these cars and I think that that's a team that's going to get better in fact I, I think they can only get better from here um, certainly it's been a struggle to start the season but um, I think that with Brad coming into RFK I think that he's instilling a new energy and a new life into that team where they're going to get better. So yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, I think they they can get themselves back into this, but it's probably going to require a win uh, in order to do so. Or maybe even multiple wins. Jay. Yeah. I don't, I don't think one win is going to do it Uh, um, to get in. Maybe Uh, when I look at it, what we've seen out of them so far, we have seen some good, flashes of their capability especially at the super speedways so andy's right there there is a capability for them to get that win um but we've also seen already this year we're starting the season again five races five different winners a couple of them ones we didn't have from last year denny hamlin christopher bell are down there with him at the top uh, 30 mark that got wins last year so now you're talking about is that possibility i know that the broadcasts are have already talked about it is one win going to guarantee you a spot in? We saw that almost come to fruition last year with Michael McDowell kicking off with the Daytona 500 victory. He was in a spot where it was getting close where he might not get in on his victory. Uh, We haven't seen it happen yet, but it is a possibility, especially with we looking at Ross Chastain has almost had a victory this year. Tyler Reddick has almost had a victory already this year. Those are two that we didn't see that from last year. So um, he's got his work cut out for him. Now, if he gets that victory and they get into the playoffs, Sharon mentioned it. They're already 10 playoff points behind, which puts them at a huge deficit when they get to the playoffs. If they were to make it to the playoffs, I don't see it happening, uh, them going very deep or very far, just because of the hole they've put themselves in. Uh, What I would like to see is them return to top form, uh, throughout the year, build on this, learn from it, build on it. You know, Andy mentioned that, that Brad Keselowski is bringing an energy and a new thought process over there to RFK. Uh, we saw it come out the gate strong. Hopefully get that built up and truthfully have to carry it into next year. Um, you know, get on the right track, maybe finish the season strong. If they happen to get into the playoffs, do what you can, but I wouldn't expect a lot from them if they do. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, And, you know, you brought it up several times, Andy, when we've had this conversation about if a team, one of the reasons why NASCAR should penalize these teams is part of the fun of watching to see how they respond to that and and if they can overcome uh, that penalty and still make it into the playoffs. Like when we watched Kyle Busch, uh, miss 11 races and still make it into the playoffs. And if I'm right, I think that's the year he won the championship. So um, th- they're going to have to get their heads uh, around all of this and figure out how they can make this happen. But I have to agree. I think it's going to take multiple wins because of the fact that we have seen so many different winners already after five races. We're kind of heading into the same scenario that was a big discussion last year about could this be the year that one win isn't enough to get you in. Um, You've got to have multiple wins. 
And I think this might be the year that that happens. Uh, it's very feasible that he could get the the one win uh, and still not be able to get in if he's, uh, you know, getting up above the top 30, I think, is doable for Brad Keselowski. Whether or not he can get into the top 16 before uh, the playoffs begin, that's going to be the bigger challenge, I think, for Brad Keselowski. And... Um, and if he is going to do it, I think he's going to need multiple wins to make that happen. He's going to need every single point he can possibly get in order to make it up into that uh, um, top 16, especially if there are that many different winners uh, with more than with just one win. So I, I really uh, am – you know, I hate to say it's going to be fun to watch because this is a bad situation for them. Uh, maybe a better word I should use is interesting. I think it is going to make it interesting to watch uh, for fans of Brad Keselowski. Is he able to kind of step up to the plate and take this team uh, back into contention? And that's that's whatever I, I think a lot of people are going to tune in to see. So we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, We are coming up to the top of the hour, so I guess it's time for us to do the roundtable. And if you have any additional comments that you want to make, I guess uh, you can do it at that time. So, uh, Andy, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, Yeah, on on Twitter, it can be followed at uh, CB14Fan and – you know, good to get on here for a little bit tonight. Apologize for being a little bit late, but uh, certainly, you know, wanted to come on and, and talk about that penalty, which is obviously big news. And, um, you know, so good to good to be on again tonight and, and really looking forward to uh, the first road course of the year. Um, certainly really enjoy those a lot. And I think um, the weather may cooperate this year, so it's not a monsoon. <laughs> so it uh, <laughs> looks like it'll be a good weekend and uh you know, it should be a lot of fun to see all three series in action at uh, Coda. You know, uh, Sharon, are you going? I know you talked about it. I wanted to so bad, but uh, unfortunately, no, I'm not going to be able to go down there. Gas prices uh, are uh, – the gas prices did it for me. That's uh, a bummer. Sorry to hear that, but maybe some year because it looks like a cool track and certainly one I want to get to at some point as well. Yeah, me too. Okay, Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as MoparMJ8. Hopefully uh, this weekend, weather permitting, be at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway. But I know Magnolia is also planning on running home of the black ice right here in town. Sharon and I talked about it. If you can't find some racing, uh, you're not trying very hard because I know the local tracks around me are running. <laughs> and if you need to get on one of the uh, platforms to watch them via video, they're available. So uh, definitely looking to watch forward to watching some racing to include the Circuit of Americas there from uh, from Texas. As uh, Sharon mentioned, you know, to get to go to these races now, a little bit harder uh, when it comes to the gas mileage. Yes, indeed. Um but I, too, am definitely looking forward to the races at Coda. Last year it was a little more challenging with the rain, and they've got bright sunshine in the forecast uh, for this weekend. Uh, and Ryan 
actually uh, hit on it a little bit during our interview with Ryan Vargas. Uh, the heat uh, might be more of what they have to consider. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, it broke up there. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I, I accidentally hit a button. Okay, so um, the heat may be more of an issue this weekend is what I was saying at Circuit of the Americas, so that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, but uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else. Uh, including com, where we have our player uh, for our radio show. Uh, and uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you, whether it's to the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, we appreciate uh, you tuning in to hear what we have to say. And then also to our Fan for Racing crew, Andy. I know you were running behind today, uh, but I'm glad we got you in before the cutoff happened. And... Um, uh, I really appreciate uh, you guys getting your perspective uh, to the news of, news of the day. And um, also, we had Ryan Vargas on earlier today, and uh, he gave us a great interview. That was during the 9 o'clock half hour. So the, the first, uh, after the first 30 minutes, you'll hear uh, um, you'll hear uh, Ryan Vargas and the interview that we had with him. Now, Monday night's show has taken a bit of a shift. We had two guests already lined up for Monday night, and we've had to reschedule both of those guests. So Joe Graff Jr. is now going to be on on April 4th. Dave Coley is going to be on on April 11th. And uh, so I'm still in the process of looking at who our guests are going to be uh, for this coming Monday. I have uh, a bid out, if you will, and I'm just waiting for a confirmation. Uh, so as soon as I get that confirmation, I'll update everybody. But just to alert everybody that we've had a schedule change there uh, for two of our guests. Uh, so stay tuned for more information on that. And, uh, again, I uh, can't wait for the racing at Coda this weekend. So with that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. All right. Have a great night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Hold on, Sophie.